Hello and welcome to Priority Roll, an Age of Sigmar podcast from sunny England. Join us as we discuss the ever-changing character of wargaming in the mortal realms. Grab your D6 and get ready for the Priority Roll. Hello and welcome to Priority Roll. My name is Dan and today I'm joined by Byron Ord to talk about picking a new project. Welcome to the show, Byron. Hello there. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm not too bad, not too bad. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, it feels like a, a very appropriate time to do an episode like this with everyone being, well, many people being locked in or trying to find something to do or probably spoil with an amount of surplus time in a lot of cases, which normally you're like squeezing in an hour here and there. Uh, for a lot of people, they're going to be really actively trying to occupy themselves with something. Well, absolutely. I think with with a lot of people doing like, uh, you know, hashtag isolation army, stuff like that. And we've seen an absolute explosion of hobby productivity on Twitter. But for some people, this might be a difficult time because the hobby is, as you say, something you might squeeze into the evening because when you've only got an hour, you might spend an hour. But when you've got a whole week, and for me, this is something I struggle with, I don't have a deadline. I don't have any tournaments. I don't have any looming campaign deadline or anything like that so I'm... even your releases you don't have potentially have a starting point if someone's like right the next cool army that grabs me i'm <laughs> i'm going for like we, we've been told um stuff is on lockdown um literally in terms of releases and schedules and stuff like that so maybe people don't even have that first problem exactly i've done i've done hardly any hobby <laughs> it's weird isn't it done less than you would do when you had exactly yeah genuinely i've done less and that's the thing i was i was kind of racing towards heat two deadline to build my seraphon to build my stegadon army and then obviously it got cancelled and everything kind of went sideways and uh and i've just not had the motivation to pick up the dinosaurs again which is such a shame because dinosaurs are cool yeah and particularly stegadon's awesome really good model and i have i have stolen a paint scheme off you actually byron really it's a good one it it it's uh well what you tell me when i when i'll put them on twitter when they're done and you can tell me whether <laughs> it's uh it's the it's the pink purple into uh that scale 75 green that you like amazing with a bit of yeah, with a bit of ice ice yellow in there that's maybe yeah and anything i do at the moment i'm sat here looking to my left and there is a a rhino of all things um it's for ao uh, for Artis Opus, so it's not for my personal collection. There's a rhino there, and that goes from Holdra Blue all the way through a load of other blues, which are all funky, and from scale 75 and finishes in ice yellow. So apparently that is that is my call sign at the moment. Yeah, so I've basically stolen a similar palette and uh, painted some dinosaurs. Perfect. There we go. We'll, we'll see. But anyway, so we, we, we'll get back onto the theme. So we wanted this to be a kind of two-parter or a multi-partner Part, partner, multi-partner. That's multi-partner. A, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a little bit different. It's a different podcast. Um, we wanted this to be a kind of multi-parter. Uh, let's not limit ourselves by saying it's only going to be a two-parter, just in case we wanted to uh, kind of expand slightly. But okay. the, there are definitely going to be, there's going to be at least two parts. Let's say at least two-parter. Um, and one of them is going to be picking an army and one of them is going to be painting an army. Because, as you said, you know, there are people out there probably going to be thinking what can i do they might be much like me i've, I've got several armies in bits and in half started projects uh, and some people even have you know a selection of unpainted unassembled armies to choose from in their in their cabinets or in their cupboards rather so i guess we kind of wanted to speak about the process that you one could use and that you use byron uh, because you're, yeah, you're quite, a, quite a prolific hobbyist aren't you yeah, um, not. Uh, I guess the the way that I hobby has changed a bit more in recent years. I used to pick something and then disappear for two years, and it was done. 
and I realized that that is a perfect way to destroy your soul. So uh, I found a different way to destroy my soul, which is to pick something and produce it to a lower standard in <laughs> like two weeks, but still like potentially like, I don't know, 800 points, 1200 points uh, on a few nice times, only 400 points. But um, yeah, changing things around. Um, as far as choosing new armies, I the ones that I've done seem to have almost happened incidentally, but I'm, uh, I'm at a point where I want to choose another army to do completely differently so I don't have to fit anything with an existing theme and uh, yeah it feels like a, a good a good opportunity to go through the process that I will go through when considering something and work out yeah exactly how I arrive at that which these days tends to be um, I will look at it from a gaming perspective first like what's in the list um, what fits my style of play etc and then whatever is there I will I will I'll make that decision then I will I'll like digest it for a bit. And while I'm digesting it, I will be working out how I fit a theme to that, whether it's color or basing or the world it's in or ideas for conversions or whatever else it is. But like most things I do, it tends to be fairly obsessive. So maybe there's some pearls of wisdom in there, maybe not. And how, how important do you think theme is into uh, in, in army sort of deciding? Um, the, you mean the fluffy color and like... Uh, thematic theme or the on the table how it plays theme well i was going for the former but um you said that you lead yourself rather sort of focus on the gaming so maybe maybe both you know how how yeah. so as a project do you think it's important for a project to have a theme or do you think it you know it could just come down to someone building a collection does it need a s- specific theme uh i don't i don't think it needs a specific one often if you're not doing a grand alliance army they tend to pick a theme themselves um whether the range is a massive one like Stormcast or a, a much more narrow selection like um, Vac Fleshy Courts or something like that, where pretty much you, you are like, there's perhaps two or three types of army maximum you could get out of that. And 90% of them are going to involve some ghouls, for example. Like the, the theme there in terms of troop choices and stuff like that is is fixed. You can be like, this is a, an aggressive one or this is a defensive one. But um, within the selection, you're far more limited in some than others. I obsessively go after things where I'm really not limited because I like I like to have a, a really large selection of stuff available to me. But I do have a bone splitters army. Um, I do have a death army. I do have an ogre army um, and stuff like that. So it, there's lots of different permutations of of picking a theme. You could you could pick in your head if we're going from a gaming perspective i want a fast aggressive turn one army and that can be a theme and that theme could <laughs> it's, it's incredibly open there's probably 15 of those available across the four different grand alliances or whatever um or you could be like i want to do a load of spells or you you could work slightly backwards and be like my last army was grotz i really do not want to paint another goddamn heavy infantry army therefore i want an elite one um so there's there's a load of different decisions that could govern the the theme on in terms of how it plays on the table at least how that goes or you could see one model think it's like a bloodthirster think that is bloody amazing and then you could you could retrofit the gaming theme to that that's cool as all hell how do i make this work in an army in which case you then look into what is viable um how many infantry do i need to back that guy up um or whatever i often will look at one unit and think that's badass like how how do i do the rest so if i'm like, yeah that's that's something okay. i'm guilty of as well and yeah, rather than buy rope. one box of it or one yeah. character and just being like okay i'm just going to build paint do a few conversions or to be honest conversions are often the bit that get me i see a model and think not that i want to use it in its kind of real proper incarnation i think oh that would look really cool if i converted it like, like that 
and yeah. usually it's stealing the idea of someone that I've seen on Twitter or Instagram. But I think, oh, oh that would exactly. be really cool. That's a wealth of gorgeous stuff out there at the moment. Um, every now and again, you'll see something. Just like, my God, you can't. I don't know, turn a Leviathan into a shark or whatever it is that you're looking at. And that could be cool, done, that fits. I'm good. I am going to make this work. I am going to make Um, a whole 2000 point army consisting of things of these. (laughs) Yeah, exactly like that. I mean, I'll so what I'm going to do is I'll I'll try and keep the topic as much as I can do. But I will I'll pick a few examples where where I could see myself doing exactly this. So one would be that rogue idol. He is cool. He is chunky. And I've just done a load of infantry, which could have literally been a few bone splitters army, ironically. I want to do a more elite version. You could have two or three rogue idols. That is the vast majority of the points of your army. And you fit the rest around that. And you're like, right, what theme do I have to adopt on these two massive, fairly forgiving for conversions models um, in order to do something special that works? Like, what is it? What is it that I need to do? And let's say you picked um, you're going to have them like emerging from the ground covered in moss or whatever because they are so such large models in size and in points value you've only got 800 points of an army to decide at that point and if you're using a formation you've only got 600 points of an army you probably need a couple of characters so those 30 guys on foot you could you could customize however you need to go with them equally you could look at it and be like well if that is my backbone that is the kind of the the solid immovable part of this army i have to go through a load of other processes to see if it is tabletop viable in terms of gaming perspective so if i pull that one out you're looking at it from gaming perspective you pick that theme or that unit you evaluate that that unit or that army or that theme let's say your theme is moving fast often stuff that moves fast and hits hard isn't so resilient um so if i go through this process with the rogue idols right let's say i'm, I'm having three i'm going balls deep in rogue idol love and i'm having three of them how do i make that viable on the table right if i've got three of those i can barely afford any troops and the troops in bone splitters are squishy i can't take any 30 blobs there just isn't room so i'm not going to have the bodies to be able to weather it what do i need to do step two okay so i need to be dictating the game you you either need a reliable screen a way to be so far back from people that they can't reach you and then you can get them the next turn or whatever Uh, low drops so you can dictate the turn roll you, you, these are all considerations you have to make the moment that you've you've locked in on that central one. So what am I going to be weak against? What are my strengths? What is in the meta at the moment? So if we build, let's build that rogue idol list now in our heads. So we've got 1,200 points spent. I don't have the book in front of me. This is going to be guesswork. But I do know, like, I have gone through this process myself. What formation? I mean, I'm sold. I'm sold there. It's got three rogue <laughs> idols. That, that's me done. <laughs> Where do I buy them from? <laughs> nowhere it's all on lockdown yeah. um, get a pile of story now yeah go out into your garden and just get a pile of rocks i've got two and i want three i'm gutted because i know how i'd convert the second two so they all had different poses i need to find a source for one but um we've got those three rogue idols that is 1200 points done and dusted <clears throat> you can have a big war army or you can have a bone splitters army i've decided that i need to get in people's faces fast if i'm gonna run this army i need to be hitting them with those absolute like monsters of melee and then my probably 50 guys maximum that i could squeeze in they need to be protected and doing work as far as objectives are concerned so how do i achieve that look in the bone splitters book it's a bit unconventional but you just go there's an option to go vanilla bone splitters um if you do that rather than taking what are you doing looking in the uh in the bone splitters book surely you should, surely you should be uh, looking the in the auric walklands book okay then the fifty percent of that come, book. Come on, mate. Get 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 with the program. You'd be, you'd be, you'd when, be on brand. You know, 
<laughs> you know what I'm like. I just I'm just all about the Grand Alliances. I can't look at things normally if it isn't a Grand Alliance. <laughs> so when the War Clans book, and if you hone down on it, you can go a slightly unconventional route. Okay, I'm going vanilla bone splitters. Um, in a bone splitters army, fifty percent of the units get to make a pre-game move. That pre-game move is five inches. Um, there is uh, an option to make that eight inches within that with an item or a trait that is in vanilla bone splitters. So looking at that, that is an eight-inch move before the game starts, probably for four of your units, given that it's going to be a small army. Three of those are rogue idols. Um, that is going to help them get into combat. They are getting where they need to if you can get that eight-inch move. So what else would fit with that? Well, there's a formation um, which involves a couple of characters and some battle line units, which is the Moor Boys, I believe. Forgot what the formation is, but it's about 150 points. And it is uh, like several war docks or like one to four war docks or something like that. And then two plus units of Moor Boys. And one of the, uh, it's a slightly magic formation. I think you get the option to dispel or something like that and one of your wardocks unlocks the really really cool spell that a wargog prophet gets which is a like the gaunt summoner spell where you damage everyone in the unit you damage everyone on a six plus it's range 24 which is really useful and if um if you cast it on a modified 10 or more then you damage them on a four plus that's a great way to deal with hordes when you've got an army that's probably going to have 35 models in it so Next up, we've said that we need a low amount of drops if we're going to make an army like this work. We've got our formation, so we are now concentrating on keeping things low as, as low as possible. So let's say we've got two Wardocks in there, three units of ten boys, that's one drop. One, two, three Rogue Idols, we're up to four drops. And our only other concerns are deleting hordes, making our guys count, keeping our drops low, and getting there fast. So Chromatic Cogs exists. Let's pop that in there. Deleting hordes, one of... Uh, so how many drops have we got? We've got three rogue idols, three battle line, up to six, two wardocks. We're on eight. Four of our units are getting a pre-game move. Um, one of those can be the wardock um, who gets that extra spell, the gaunt summer delete unit spell. So he can be moving forwards and be within range of 24 or something. But let's make that uh, a dead certain thing. And let's put in a Bailwind Vortex, which also increases your opportunities to cast um, cogs and give someone an extra spell. So that army then... If, if your priorities to work your way, like you, you're putting all your eggs in one basket, which is the rogue idols, you are concentrating on delivering them as soon as possible, as fast as possible, as reliably as, reliably as possible. Um, and bearing those things in mind, going throughout the options in the book, that list pretty much wrote itself. So when you've got a direct path open to you, as long as you're looking at weaknesses, looking at how you want the army to be, like you should enjoy it. It's if if you pick a unit and then you're like oh god like it needs a load of resilient troops to back up but i hate playing grindy army as i don't want lots of models whatever don't do it make it work another way um in this situation though we've got everything we need and it's kind of fallen into place that isn't going to be a tip-top tier army but with a good draw it's going to outdrop the majority of people those that it doesn't outdrop aren't always going to be able to reach it and if you can get those rogue idols into people they are going to make an absolute mess of it another way to look at it um is if you take it in the um whichever the four uh, like the, the war clan thingy is where you can stop people from running away you can forsake that extra three inch move because you've got cogs on the go and you can you can pick the alliance where people can't run as long as they're within three inches of your model and your aim for the entirety of like your, your army strategy for being viable on the table is to get those three big boys in there get at least two of them making their charges so you probably want a couple of command points to basically to make fix, that more fix your opponent in yeah. place 
and, yeah, and win, on, win on the objectives. Exactly. You've only got 30 models to do so. Yeah, I suppose that, that, that starts to look into like what threats to your army exist. Like, If I have a low model count army and yeah. I can't necessarily beat people on the numbers, how do I overcome that? Well... Why don't you put your put your, fu- your your fun sponge into their army and like let them soak up all that damage? Um, yeah, exactly. And then you stand in the right place. And if it takes them a few goes to grind through um, to grind through your your guys, you're going to be there and you're going to have an interesting bit for the rest of it. Also, because you've got to consider all the different types of scenario. If they're pinned and the uh, the objectives are jumping around the table, your guys can be moving their bone spells can actually move quite fast um, with the spells you got available and using sixes on runs and if you've got cogs up stuff like that cogs has got a really bad weakness in that you're you're buffing your opponent's move but if you've pinned them and they're not allowed to flee um then they you're have negating to charge their you buff. Well. yeah yeah and if they can only charge the thing that is is of consequence to you like you want them to be charging those guys and blending themselves on your own idols that's absolutely fine um if it's one where you've got your objective and they've got their objective and you need to go at it cool you're going to go out at turn one before they've got any buffs up with three of the hardest hitting models in the game. Um, that is that is pretty solid. So that's if we if you're going from the perspective where you pick a a, a big obvious unit, that's one way. Um, Do you think it's easy because that you just kind of wrote that list out there, you know, live as it were. Do you think yeah. it's easier to chase that theme to kind of nail down that theme when you've got over fifty percent of your army written in three models? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, which is let's talk about doing something from the other perspective so let's say you've got i want to do a fast army like or or like, i've picked a fast army already but you'll probably get an insight into my style as a player <laughs> yeah um, i suppose yeah like like almost approaching it from a because you whilst that army was fast your theme wasn't fast your theme no. was model and your theme was monster and face crushing and then we decided it needed and to you be decided fast it needed to be fast to, to get work. the best out of the face crushing monster thing um, exactly but if you write it from almost from the ground up without the kind of 50 percent of your points being spent in a model you've fallen in love with i can imagine it's slightly okay. more difficult to kind of oh it's way go, more difficult go into that because there's so yeah, just look at you know fast army you know you throw the idea of if, if i asked to word association with with the phrase fast army people are going to come up with feck flares people are going to come up with uh, savage orc war boys People are going to come up with, you know, maybe Cavalos for OBR. Yeah. You know, some sort of living cities, uh, you know, and fast doesn't necessarily mean a unit with a high movement speed, does it? No, it no, could be It, it could be to. movement shenanigans. So something like living cities. Living cities have... Zinch. Zinch, yeah. Swapping units round and being able to guarantee charges or stuff like that. Uh, like, yeah. like Seraphon. Seraphon with the teleport and with yep. some of their little shenanigans and they can, te- they can teleport around and they can deep strike in some of their uh, units and they can summon you know summon summoning is speed and if you teleport your slam and then summon that's you know it's a different it's just looking at speed from a slightly different perspective isn't it rather than just a movement value yeah um i mean let's so let's look at it from another perspective if you are looking at an army or a unit in terms of evaluating a list or a unit what are the things that um that stand out so let's say you're just trying to build a cool list within chaos um, what are the things that you should consider? And I, I would really encourage people to go through this process rather than netlisting. I think it ends up with, well, it's more interesting for everyone, first of all, but uh, including yourself. Um, but you you feel a lot more inclined to make a list work for you. If you look at, um, uh, let's take Ben Zava with his Savages and before that with his Nighthorn. He, he made those lists entirely his. And I think his level of, 
this level of play and his understanding and his real like hardcore want to achieve with those lists probably this is an assumption um went up when he designed those lists as well because that night haunt list was really weird and unique it was all about stopping people from being immune to battleshock and crazy stuff like that and then his bone splitters now which he's been smashing it with probably on on holding lockdown times but he was doing incredibly well with while other people weren't he took that list fiddled it fiddled it fiddled it and ended up with something completely different um to what the majority of other people were running at the time um and i had that with my original mixed order i would like people thought it looked awful i thought it looked fairly awful but i was like i like i love these models i want to make it work i took it to one event i was like actually there might be something here and i really cared about making my baby perform better on the table um so how like how do you arrive at that what should you evaluate so uniqueness is a thing um it's difficult to quantify but if something is unique um let's let's pick some uh bellicor uh tenable shard uh evocators eels um uh canary going to drop from the sky at any point for a cheap cheap points value and there's a 50 percent chance they get a move after they've shot anything that is unique uh, it's probably going to be more expensive, but that is for the reason that it it probably like it could be breaking the rules of the game. You could say this about all of Cinch because of Fate Dice. Actually, like, that is nuts, unique. That is that is crazy. That is unquantifiable. You are taking probability on it, like the most difficult parts of the game to manage. You're just removing that um, at that point. So uniqueness is really strong. Um, strength on the double turn. This is twofold. That strength when you get a double. Um, Evocator is a great example of that. You can muller someone. Um, and then there's strength versus the double when your opponent gets it. So um, debuff in pieces, uh, frost hearts, uh, endless spells, whatever it is. If, if you're like, mm, like I don't care if my opponent gets this or if I get this, I'm going to give it away. That's one of the most powerful things in Age of Sigmar is giving away the priority role. Um, it's like it, I've won so many games looking at people like, please don't give this to me. You've just won it. But like you're like you've got. A load of units that are tied up that you're like you're going to wipe me out in about one turn of combat anyway so i'd like i just don't care you can't be running around the table and then they take it and they just do a load of stuff that they were going to get to do in response to my activations anyway you're like cool i've won this game you i think that, that one of the most important decisions if you win the priority going into turn two is giving it away and yeah, be, being it's, it's, is putting yourself in a position where you can give it away for going oh, into turn two because i think the two into three or even three into four is is way more significant in, yeah, a of ga- in a lot of games. It depends on the scenarios and depends on the situation yeah. on the battlefield, of course. But a load of them, I would, I would absolutely agree. And this is what playing with Frost Hearts taught me because they were, they prompted me to give it away because the moment I took the turn, their bus dropped off. So it made me pause for that decision and that made me think, actually, like there's a load of other things. So I remember years ago listening to, it was in like 8th edition or 7th, listening to Jack Armstrong talking about how many skinks he took in units when he could choose how many models you would. And he would choose exactly the right amount of models for his skink units so that they died in, but by the turn the unit wiped out, it was wiped out either in his turn or his opponent's turn just, just, just to keep them pinned for the right amount of time. That's kind of a similar consideration really. You want to... Like, when, want to like when Les Martin didn't, uh, didn't kill that last keep uh, a keeper of secrets or something like that on uh, on the stream was it for blood and glory because he didn't want to give the depravity points to his opponent yeah exactly like that um, like holding stuff off for a turn always holding objective in mind but resilient units are going to do that well units that are off the table and still threaten your opponent they stop them from acting completely freely within a one double um mortal wound output is extremely powerful because it's just a great secondary ability to have 
um, reliability through re-rolls um, or modification or other. So um, the entirety of the Daughters of Cain army, it, it just, it all like as the turns go on, it just re-rolls more and more stuff. It's ridiculous and it gets things in the turns it needs to. Fire slays, you've got opportunities for your, um, your runes you burn and stuff like that. Long range damage, uh, high quality chaff, that could be in terms of price or the fact that your battle line is actually useful. Uh, Blue Horrors, for example. Reliable casting, uh, flexible summoning or late game threat, like having a, um, uh, let's say you wanted to put a prime in a list. Uh, having a list that can start the game 400 points down without caring about it because you've got reliable screens or it's off the table or whatever, that, that helps hold hands with the secondary threat you've got of that thing landing and landing in a like a meteor of destruction when it does um battle line I'll, I'll keep mentioning but your battle line that's good that isn't attacks it's just huge um so you may have noticed that teach have pretty much all of what i've put there um i think they're really strong always have been regardless of new books or releases or points or, or whatever like they they do have lots of what makes a, a good scenario play army in my opinion um you've got other things like low drops turn one effectiveness with the board full turn one effectiveness with the board empty eg being able to leave like a ghoul patrol leaving units off having flexibility um how to beat uh turn one armies just can you take like can people crash against your flood defenses and then you weather it and and punish them for having been that aggressive i think um, yeah I, th- I think building around an alpha army is something that kind of not, not i obsess with but i'm i'm always thinking what am i going to do with like what am i going to do for example with three rogue idols yeah or gristle exactly. or dragons something like that what am i going to yeah. do with something that's going to get up in my grill and i suppose you've, you've got i guess it's 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 hard to talk about what threats should you build an army for in terms of the meta given that the meta's kind of up in the air at the moment but yes yeah, it's you, it's always to be considered and there could be um, bridge, bridge is another good one yeah bridge is a perfect one um all of that type of stuff um, is really worth considering. If you've got low drops, you can consider it with more confidence because you, you know whether you're getting the decision or not if the majority of the time. Um, another approach that is uh, a little bit risky but I think is often fairly sensible is some armies you're just going to struggle with, like flat. And if you if you can make small alterations, let's say daughters can take a different... Um, they can take the one where you're minus one for shooting. Let's say shooting was really heavy in the meta. They can do that take exactly the same list and they just said i'm i'm a different um whatever it is bloodline thing um you can do that other armies just can't deal with things when i was playing uh mixed order uh change host and stormcast were awful for me they were fairly prevalent but not crazy prevalent and i remember trying to make my army better against them uh i had some good options i had skinks at the time and and stuff like that so i could leave crappy units out in front just to get mullered um and i had uh i had some access to mortal wound protection on some things like the birds but it was they were really really difficult for me but one thing to consider is that if you, if you can't without making drastic changes to the the core idea of your army and what makes it strong or what makes it fun to play which is the entire idea of this right is think how many times on an average event, of course, you can get a bad luck run. Can't consider that. How many times in an average event are you going to face those armies? Is it that you're going to face one of them once? You don't know the quality of the player in that situation. If it's in the first three rounds of an event, like there's a good chance that it, it isn't someone who's going to end up fighting on table one. So you might be a better player than them. You don't know the scenario it's going to be in, and you don't know the list that they've taken. They could be taking a really unconventional Stormcast list that 
um, just like is super elite or otherwise or using strange allies or or whatever it is. So if that's going to dilute what you're doing too much, don't fixate on it. Like make some concessions, put in some, I don't know, 20 marauders with a pregame move if that really makes a difference to the things that you're weak against or drop your um, drop a wizard to take some more chaff or swap a unit out that's got less damage output but has mortal wound protection, whatever it is. But if it changes your core ideas too much, I'd like stick to your guns. Um, and those are, uh, I've listed a lot of stuff there, but it all gets it all gets put into the same pot. And as soon as you've, you've ticked off whatever the, the magical amount of those things is, let's say it's five, you've got long range damage, you've got high quality chaff, you've got reliable casting, and you have good battle line, and you can put some units off the board, you're probably there, you're probably fine. You've, you've locked in on what is the core of it. Then you, you jump back to what we spoke about before, a rogue idol. You look at the units that you're really excited to play with, whether it's because they look super strong in the game or they just do something cool or they're unique or whatever. So let's say, um, let's try and build a somewhat unconventional team's list. We've got Fate Dice. So that has unlocked for us reliable long distance charges. Like we know we're going to get them. Um, it has unlocked reliable casting. Uh, it has unlocked to some degree uh, reliable... Um, resilience because you can choose a one on your pop test and get some back um and you can guarantee spells go off that um that, that bring more guys back to life or whatever like that and you've also you've got your good battle line so we want to make a difference in each list what what is the thing that you look in there that is the coolest it could be you look down and think actually i don't see people using scream as much but they've got some viability and they're fast which combined with being able to guarantee charges without needing a character nearby is is mental um and can i just jump jump in here actually with the screamers thing which has kind of brought an an, an interesting point which certainly for me helps me decide on themes as well screamers come in that box the aether war box and because not only people are using them there's a lot of them on ebay because they're not oh yeah they're not seen as amazing they're not going for a super high price Mm -hmm. so they also paint up beautifully fast Exactly, and they, and they do really well with an airbrush, don't they? Oh, they do. airbrush, dry brush, wash, any of the efficiency techniques, bright colours, they um they do really well with. They look extremely strange on their base size, which is my only problem with them. But um, they're um yeah, they're a really unique unit. And if you like running something that's different, that that I could do an entire podcast on the on screamers of playing something that's different, <laughs> not quite screaming. Um, but but if it's in, if it's in like a, a start collecting or something like that or in a, in a starter yeah. box and you can get your hands on a lot of it that's a really good way to kind of think oh, actually because so paladors was what what got me when um yeah. war came out or, yeah Corgrass, something that was in a startup anything yeah, like yeah. that something um, in a starter box that no one really wanted yeah you can pick up for a song not many people know how to beat eight Corgrass either for example i don't because i've never played against it and um, all your mates have probably got one in the box that they've never used. So exactly. it's, it's often quite a cheap way of getting it as well, isn't it? Oh, for, for sure. And once you've got that and your few battle line, which you a, a good solid purchase anyway, and if your army didn't work out, it didn't cost that much, and you can take it to a fun event at some point in the future or, or whatever. But let's roll for that. Let's say we're going to take our battle line. Blue Horror is ridiculous. They're a wizard. They're crazy resilient. So that is, um, I don't know if there's characters that make the other units going to look at battle line. Let's say there isn't. Um, uh, the screamers, screamers battle line, aren't they? In using the new character, I want to say. Could be. <laughs> Question but, mark. <laughs> let's say they're not. So pink horrors are 
bent as all hell. They are the, the most efficiently pointed things per wound in the game. They get a load of shots as well and stuff like that. They are casters. Um, they're, they're a screen. Like, they're nuts. So the inclusion of that in our list means we don't care about being low drop or, or it is of less consequence to us. We could easily be low drop if we wanted, but it means we can decide to be either end of the fence. We can be low drop and have that decision. Give it away. Don't care. Don't, don't give a flying monkeys about it. Just have at it. You can crash into my wall and then I'm going to do whatever I need to and mull you. 600 points spent on three units of the best battle line that's ever been in Age of Sigmar. That is a good investment. Done. And that means that we don't have to worry about a load of other things. We ticked off resilience. We ticked off bodies. We ticked off late game. We ticked off um, having a few wizards in there, getting a few dispel attempts, um, that type of stuff. So 600 points down. That's done. What else do we like to look up? Screamers. Um, I want to run two small units of them to kind of harry flanks. I want a big one that is worthy of putting buffs on or using to guarantee those charges or whatever. Or is a distraction because actually it's the, it's the smaller units that are going to zip around the edges and steal some things that people aren't expecting and, and win the game. What else is cool and I like the idea of? Well, we don't have anything that is really reliable in combat yet or in terms of reliable damage that isn't from a spell let's say or a flying over attack from screamers or whatever it is okay sangle on discs um with bows because they're still really good in combat so what have you got in that units inclusion in the list their base vanilla move is incredibly fast it's 14 or 16 that's, that's just ridiculous um we can add that to the fate dice charges nuts okay now we're talking they are the ones with bows are good in combat and they are good at range so they can stand on our objectives whilst shredding people off our opponents that's great and then they can and go still, to our and still be a threat when the opponent tries to get toe to toe with them oh exactly or they can just they can do the exact opposite arrive there with some screamers they can be the unit you choose to go first with or not i forget when they get their buff but they provide their own re-rolls that was another one of our things to tick off as long as they are not they're not going first or are going first or their opponents have or haven't fought, they get those re-rolls. And we can screen them off a little bit with the units of three screamers to stop people being able to pile in and maximize on them or whatever. Okay, that's good. Um, they got range damage. So the only thing they don't tick is like mortal wound resilience, high bodies, or like having a crazy good armor save. But we've got other stuff in the army that does that. Okay, so now we are this many points down. This is the point where we start considering what characters allow that list to work in that way. Or, or is there something unique that we've not got? Do we Are we really missing an assassination piece in this list? We've got some... Let's add up what we've got so far. So we've got range damage from the um, Skyfire's bows. Um, we've got the possibility to fly over with screamers. Uh, we can fly over with a run roll using a fate dice if we need to add up to that. But it would be really good to add in a couple of pokes there. So... Um, always to mull a big units we can do that in combat but we'd like another op option for let's say our opponents three units of 20 half guard or witch elves or whatever it is that's far more reliable than people in underwear should be um let's take the gaunt summoner he's got an amazing spell he's a super solid piece as a result what is going to allow him to reach our opponent's turn one if we're worried about that number one are we uh if no call rock on he can get the turn two or three that's fine if we are, do we put him on a vortex? Um, do we take a formation where a wizard gets to move the, before the game starts? That like that type of consideration. Um, how is our magic defense? Do we need a lot of change in there for with an artifact that gives you a longer dispel or something like? When you arrive at the two thirds, three quarters of your list done, you've got enough there to be like, right, what am I really weak against? To, and what to tweak it around my... the edges to compensate for your weaknesses. Yeah. 
what can I do with my remaining 600 points to help me combat those? So you've got turn one combat alphas covered. You've got the best battle line in the game. You're done. Like you're just solid. You don't have to worry about that. You can goo them up. If they can do that and completely control the board, though, how do you get out from within that that pinned bubble? Someone's charged, I don't know, someone's taken some crazy list with 15 teleporting Nurgle knights that get in and just hold you there while marauders stand in the right places. Do you have stuff that can jump out from behind that wall or smash that pinning unit on the double or fly over and or shoot because it's it's behind those screens and it's not locked to having to shoot at the guys who are at them and then summon something elsewhere or start off the board anything like that so you could look at it from that aspect actually i want i want a combat unit of uh skyfires as well so they can go into that turn one threat shred it with everything i've got available and these magic spells and then it's 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 up to me to dominate the game in the one in ten chance that i play someone who can do something that aggressive in terms of board control and resilience on the first turn uh i need a couple more wizards um i need the What's the crazy endless spell that adds one for each wizard or endless spell that's close by? Um, the new chaos one with the oh the screen the screen the screamy face one dark fire uh, dread fire something no yeah the the ridiculous damage one like okay so I'm gonna pop that in there actually there's a ten point endless spell here that's kind of useful on my list there's a twenty point endless spell here that's kind of useful on my list they're adding to the damage of that and they're giving me a way to I don't know block off my lord of change with palisade in front of him push someone out the way um, just uh, stop people from reaching an objective. Um, if my plan is to get over there, turn one, and then stand in the right places and string horrors out, um, you're you're looking to without changing the theme of your army too much. You're, you're probably safe with given that you've written fourteen hundred points of it or whatever. Fill in the gaps that um, are caused by just obviously open weaknesses of the list or things that are crazy popular in the meta. Um, so if you've decided that you can't ship in like in a, in games where you've got like one objective each and you need to shift your opponent off it, you're like well. I may be able to like control a, a board against fire slayers, but I can't get through three units in a blob. There's just there's not enough available to me. What is there that you can take that will counter that? Do you in fact need to drop in 30 tango on feet just because you need something that's get going to get over there? You'll choose to go first with. We'll do a load of damage and then lose some guys, but we'll have we'll still have 15 guys left at the end of that because your your scary unit of nine 12 skyfires is going to absolutely maul your opponent but they can still have 13 grots stood there and win um like that type of that type of decision and then through that you get an entire list um a lot of the time in age of sigmar at that point there's a decision do i formation or not if it's not been made at the start normally it's made at the end uh, so you didn't start off with the formation in mind but it might be actually that if you dropped you changed one of the units of horrors for battle line screamers because you took x character or y character then you uh, can it's take the, the host the host arcanum if you it's a um sub faction thing cool so actually this that's a great idea is that you think host arcanum buffs screamers so i could use that ability the the command ability to make my screamers better on the big unit that you want to buff oh look that unlocks screamers so actually you i like the idea of building it from the ground up so you're sub faction or character agnostic in case you need to drop that character or in case there's a different sub faction that works yeah, yeah. better for how you want or even you start playing and you realize that host arcanum isn't isn't what you want yeah you don't then need to then find space for two other units of battle line when you've kind of built the idea around a certain list and a certain style yeah you can just squidge it out. That's what I did with Mixed Order for ages. Oh, well, 
I've I need to free up 300 points. I'm going to have to drop these five judicators in this guy, but I've still got enough shooting. The rest of my list is okay. Or I'm going to go for more combat version or whatever it is. So you get to that end point and then you make that decision. And there is there is a genuine point with trying to find drops now. I like well. I can't be five or less, so I care about it a little, but not lots, or actually fairly easily. If I swap this character out for this, I can be a four. That is worth it. That is good. Or with some significant concessions to my list, I can be a three. That That's enough. Like three is big. That means 95% of my games, I'm getting that choice. And 95% of my games, because Zinch can only damage within 18 inches with spells, but threaten with Skyfires, you're going to give it away to your opponent. So they stood there on the board edge like, He's got a 42-inch charge on those, and they've got a move 16 and then a whatever threat range with their bows. Uh, I think it's 18, maybe. Um, he's got all of these different things going on. I'm going to have to come at him. Your opponent comes at you. They've gone on the objectives. You gave it to them. And then you mull them with your first round of shooting because some stuff is in range now, or he's not come forwards enough to be in range, in which case he's playing the game on your terms, which is great anyway. And then you've got the potential of one of the most scary doubles in the game, where you rock in with um, like renegade, like not known, uh, fairly good but extremely fast melee unit that can fly over something and do some mortal wounds to monsters, the screamers. And then you put in one unit of Tangor on foot that can get there because your opponents come towards you, and one unit of Tangor with bows on this, sorry, Skyfires, they can go to the flank and then make a charge round back to a gooey centre because your opponent came at you, and then you threaten the double in, in that horribly controlling position, which you might be able to give away because you've just charged them with pink horrors in the front and they're going to be there for three turns of combat whoever goes next um it's yeah it's, it's that like you you make your way to a majority of the list decided point and then you try and like if you're going to make an analogy to drop in like um big pebbles small pebbles and sand into a glass to make your list that's when you start you start trickling the sand in to fill in all these little holes that you've left in um in your idea or Indeed, you're just like, I cannot deal with Stormcast, so I'm just not going to bother trying. <laughs> like, I've you, got this. You know, so I think admitting and not fighting against some... So some army lists, is, it's about risk mitigation, isn't it? It's, you know, what can I include yeah. to be able to... And we spoke about alpha lists, you know. What screens can I include? So a great one would be in Chaos, you can take the Untamed Beasts, can't you, who can have the pre-game scout move. So you're thinking, right, okay, I can mitigate like that. And I think mitigating against an alpha list is is a fairly a fairly wise thing to do and is something that is, it exists in the game and one has to be prepared for it. But mitigating against a certain, like, bogeyman-style list, I guess, would be a great thing or something that you can actually just ignore. So a great example would be Daughters of Cain. So when Daughters of Cain were in their at their peak you know when i think when benjamin savile was running them and when they were kind of relatively recently released yeah Maudsley was running at the same, time, was running well. at the same time exactly i never played daughters of Cain during that period over three or four tournaments mm-hmm. and so and i never and i was worried about doing it but i didn't i didn't have the time or desire to change my army to to fight them and i'm so glad i didn't because you know i think the the internet sometimes a bad place for this because people will say i remember really like back in a previous edition of 40k i'd come up with a list idea and people like on forums or chat group would just be like yeah but three heldrakes wrecks that it's like well i don't when when am i playing three heldrakes (laughs) what are the mathematical chances of, of you facing that and how many times will you face it in a scenario that favors it and not you and how many times will you face it in a scenario that favours it and not you with a player 
who knows his army better than yours. And if yeah. it is a netlist thing, the chances are the person playing it does not know their business nearly as well as you do with your list that you've been taking on and off for a year and a half or have designed like carefully and lovingly brick by brick um, from but, that. But I, we, I, we I could exactly- post our screamer list and someone can, th- someone can think of like, you know, uh, I don't know, like the... What happens if you face the Archeon Nurgle loads of mortals two drop list with Bellacure to shut down your... Change. Well, what happens if you if you play someone with the out of print Fordrod model that um has do ten mortal wounds to screamer units owned by someone called Byron? Yeah, you know, like exactly. the thing that no one runs and no one's heard of. Like, oh yeah, but this so, this would destroy it. So I'm happy with that. Yeah. So in that time period, I was doing um I was doing a lot of events, and I had a similar thing to you. I made a couple of changes. Um, like I took I took an item on one of my characters because I was running formations that let me do a breath weapon at the start of a combat, um, or once again thing. It was like a Medusa breath weapon. Um, and that, that scared a few people or caught a few people out and things like that. But I didn't change it massively. I faced daughters, I believe, uh, once or twice in five events. And they were like, that was when they were at their peak. You've got to remember, if something's at its peak and it is being taken a lot, let's say 10 of them turn up and it is new and it is bent, for lack of a better word, um, a lot of those players are going to play each other and get knocked down. So if you won your games anyway, like then there's this weird thing where you probably won't face it in the first few rounds because it's it's smash people with maximum points and it's on tables one, like it's on tables one twice, tables two three, tables four twice, tables five twice, etc. They're going to play each other and knock knock each other down. And then the other people are they're going to have played other really good people on those top tables, so they might have got knocked down as well. And you could be in a position where round four they've all disappeared. This happened with Feck a lot. Um, uh, when it was more popular, they everyone would be so scared of them, and then they'd just be this magical thing where they didn't appear in the top. Like they appeared briefly in the top third on day one, and then they just weren't there on day two. And it's not because they stopped being good or the players weren't good. It's because they played each other and they played other people who were really good too. Um, and they're also likely to be people who've practiced to beat it more if they are like really up on like having practice games around what is the newest thing. So there's a definite like there's also a kind of relaxing state where you're just like, actually, I will do my best if I get to it. I've changed these this one troop selection, this one item, and I've thought really carefully about it. And I have a I'm going to have a couple of practice games. And if I get to a bad one and it's a good scenario for them and they're a better player, then we'll have a chat after the game about how I could have done better and I'll learn from that and maybe I'll be more informed the next time. Um, but yeah, it's, it, there are a lot of aspects to doing this and I think it's very, you can look at an idea from the internet and then work backwards from it or remove some things and, and change another. But I think if you if you start from the ground up reading a book and looking at every scroll and thinking these are cool and then considering this, bit by bit you'll arrive at something that's it's probably only like 30% different from a strong list X, Y, or Z that you've seen on the internet, but you did it yourself and you did it with thought. And that is, unless your army's got one thing that it does, let's say my um, my cunning ruck that I took to the ETC, unless it's got one thing that it does and it's that stupid, because that is a stupid list, um, you're going to be better off with something you love. They like the back of your hand, have made small changes to several times and are really into um, than this other player who's just turned up with the newest thing. And even if that newest thing is really scary, I managed to do fairly well at tournaments in general, never paying any attention to what a new release is. And I rock up to the table and people say, oh, I'm sure you know what OBR do or whatever. And I'll just ask them, like the, the quality of players you get and how, how the communication is at the table in the UK is fantastic anyway. If you rock up and say to your opponent, um, no, I don't actually, take me through your list, what should I be worried about? They're going to give you their headline. They're going to like, well, this hag, let's 
Fees be immune to battle shock and gives them reroll wounds. And this unit's got a five plus rerolling, but I don't get that until I've put it up on the first turn, etc., etc. You're going to get the four or five things you need to learn. You might have heard them through the internet anyway, so um, you don't need to be like like absolutely trying to beat those. And they're going to like maximum like a heavy turnout at a tournament for the new list is like let's say I don't know 15 people out of 100. How many of those are going to play each other rounds one, two, or three? knock each other down how am i going to play someone else better and get knocked down how many people are going to play someone who just knows their army better in a scenario that isn't helpful for them and get knocked down you've got a good chance of facing like two or three of them out of 100 people and five games so your percentage chance is going to be super 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 low um but yeah that's like kind of the the meta discussion is an interesting one always when considering lists and especially if you're not in a team event you just there's there's a certain level of wisdom to just being like cool if it comes i will deal with it and if i've grossly underestimated anything i will learn from it yeah and i think that for, for me certainly that's what tournaments are about it's all about learning it's all about improving i i would love to win a tournament it'd be fantastic but i would also you know love to have five games where i learned and become a better player like i'd much yeah you know, I'd, i guess my highest what did i get fourth at bloodshed in the shires um that's my highest finish um, with with Pterodons, and I really enjoyed that. But actually, I learned a huge amount from that. And had I yeah. had I played my game against James Tinsdale a bit better and got a major victory, I would have come second. But actually, mm-hmm. I made loads of mistakes in that game, which what which is what lost me. It. The ones that hurt, the ones that you remember better as well. Yeah, <laughs> right? well, exactly. Yeah, and I remember that game vividly. And I remember the mistakes I made. And I, I, I think I've become a better player because of it. Um, yep. And I would much rather come fourth and be a better player than come second and, and still continue to make mistakes. And I will continue yeah, to make mistakes. It. And that's, and that's journey journey of destination. Of exactly. Exactly. And I think that's for doing better at the next event. It's just all. And there's always, a, a, apart from at the moment, there's always the next <laughs> event, isn't there? <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's something that people sometimes lose sight of when they, you know, like when they lose some games on day one. And talk about you know not coming back on day two. I think that's just it's just a shame. It's just a waste of a waste of an opportunity to to get better at, at the game. Yeah. But then you know that's that's my view, and, and plenty of people have other you know different views. And some, for some people, it is all about the podium and all about the, the top spot, and uh, that, that's their way of hobbing. Uh, Byron, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and listening to your kind of uh, your thoughts behind list design and army design and, and theming it. I guess the next stage would be approaching painting it right yeah definitely um if anyone does want to throw any weird starting themes for lists as a suggestion as well i'm more than happy to to give it a go so if someone wants to know how i would make a um an army full of engine riggers or uh how how would i go about making an army that doesn't kill a single model in combat but has the best objective play in the game or anything like that i'm more than happy to like pick up a funky theme and I think it'd be really, it's really interesting. Most of the best discussions I have about Warhammer that would be great in a podcast I had, like just before we start recording or randomly on a night and I start off with this idea and we end up writing a full list by the end of it. So going through that process live might actually be quite a, um, I think we should, re- I, should I think we should revisit, revisit the not killing one. I think that we, we spoke about this on, um, on a previous episode about like running like an old kind of like wood elf denial style list that doesn't yep. look to win via combat or yep. you know as in combat power not necessarily yeah. in close combat um so yeah look, we should we should revisit that byron but not cool. for There's... not for not for, for round two round two is going to be all about painting yeah it will be um yeah painting is painting is actually ironically very similar um i reckon 
in terms of like approaching it with a certain level of obsession, you've got to consider like um, your timeframes. And if you're looking to learn anything from the experience, if you want to try something new out, product, color scheme, whatever, um, you've got a whole bag of stuff to consider when you're when you're looking at painting. Awesome. Well, Byron, thank you very much for joining us. As I say, um, do you have any shout outs? Uh, if people like really nice products for hobbying, they could go to Artist Opus. That is one of my companies, and that is artist-opus.com. I can pop a link in the show notes. If they're looking to produce any of these armies fast and effectively in a different way, whether it's 40K, Fantasy, Infinity, Star Wars game, it doesn't matter. Um, we've got amazing dry brushes and a lot of content on how to use them. Dan's used some of those as well, super effectively. They're really, really good. Uh, any questions about application of the products as well, they can um, at Facehammer send me a message or get me on instagram directly or something like that and then there is element games so if people are looking for anything during their hobby lockdown supplies a little bit limited because games workshop have closed but we've still got a really good range of paints from other manufacturers and the paints that are uh, dwindling down now from games workshop if it is green it is in stock and will go out as normal uh same day however royal mail are a little bit slower at the moment so you might have more than one day to wait until your stuff arrives with you uh if you are looking to support a store in whether this is mine or others just as a general nice point in a world like this if you're looking to support a store they don't have what you want currently or you don't actually need anything currently but you're looking to help out your friendly local gaming store or the store that's provided you generally just grab a gift voucher um i've seen a few people mentioning this and it is a lovely way to at no loss to yourself um give someone else a uh, a nice positive um <laughs> like well, it's, it's an amount of money but it is a gesture in these times as well um of support which you can cash in at a later date at your convenience for whatever it is that you need um i've seen a few people looking at like obscure things to buy from people or whatever but if you don't have something that you do want to do and you do want to support your local store hobby retailer uh gaming club that has a rack of like army painter paints and that's it or whatever then you can buy a voucher and that's a really nice way to support them in um slightly difficult financial times like this especially for smaller businesses awesome and of course we'll put the uh, links to artist opus and element games in the show notes as well um and uh, i will selfishly use our priority role element games affiliate link so if people do shop at element games then i would encourage them request uh, grovel for them to use the priority role affiliate link. small business by uh, purchasing a voucher which, exactly link. exactly and then i get a five percent kickback and i help to put that towards uh, products whether it's books or models that we can then end up, end up using on the tabletop and then we can end up talking about so it all comes back we have two questions for you, Byron, mm -hmm. which are the questions that we ask everyone that comes on the show. Okay. And the first one would be, if you could protect only one thing about Age of Sigma, and that would never change, and the rest of the game, say, is being rewritten from the ground up, what would that be? And the second question is, if you could only change one thing about the game, and the rest of the game was going to stay the same forever, what would that be? Uh, good question. Am I allowed to travel back in time and answer one of them? No. No, damn you. Um... Although I'm curious, what would that be? I would uh, travel back in time two years and make a number of small decisions that stopped encouraging spamming of stuff um, in a uh, in a way that made the game more bloated and less enjoyable. <laughs> so whether that's spamming of spells or repetition of models, or that, that witch elf works out really well. It's the most obvious thing in the book. I'll take 90 of it. Um, they can lead to really strongly themed lists, like themed bunny ears. Got them floating here. 
but um, I really like a variety of play and I like this with less models on the board than, well, less models than like 90 of the same thing at any rate. So I would have made a few small changes that didn't result in that kind of uh, around the first time the Cunning Ruck came out, I think was where it, it started being. Well, that could obvious. be the one thing you can change. You can change that now. Okay. You could change it back. All right. That then. That I would, then. That if, that involves a lot of small changes, but yeah, anything that um, made it so when people open a book, they don't just see, oh, that that obvious thing. I'll, I'll do that and I'll repeat that. Um, if so, people want to do that because it fits with the theme of their armies, like on the table or whatever, then and it looks really cool, then that's great and it can lead to some really cool looking lists. But from my perspective, I um, I prefer playing with variety and like not more than two large hordes of the same thing or stuff like that. So to come back to that. Yeah. On, on kind of on two sides do you do you change that by introducing a mechanic like 40k has where you can only have three of a certain unit um but that has its own problems and restrictions in itself it does um, yeah and it's on, on the other side of that result. is do you design the rules behind the units to make them not spammable to that extent or less spam yeah, or, worthy or higher internal balance yeah Big because one, I, I think. don't think the 40k system works because you can have uh, 40k works on smaller unit sizes and sm- i guess smaller iterations of units so you could say and actually that that three thing doesn't work for or doesn't apply to troops choices so the equivalent of battle line so yeah. we are talking about you know three units or you know let's say three units of 40 plague monks three yeah. units of 30 witch elves you know and that's like the, the rule the, of three the doesn't well. stop that happening no it doesn't and those aren't like that plague monk army is really cool as well and has weaknesses but it's the inclusion of uh easy access to multiple sources of immune to battle shock in that list is is a real issue for me so that that's a very good example of some of the things that can be changed like the the hard counter uh like the so it's been like kind of made more prolific and it's kind of a you have to bring it out to counter the other things that have it like the activation wars stuff or the um well this army's got immune to battle shock and immune to battle shock battle shock is one of the best mechanics that exists in the game as is leadership both of them are underused and they really help games scale with the turn rolls so one of the lovely things when aos came out was you could have these big armies like oh my god what's going to go on first turn took 45 minutes second turn took 30 the third turn took 20 and it scaled down because troops were dying and they were dying when you killed them and they were dying when their leadership was put into question um and i really loved that about the game i think it made for, for faster games and for less your mental stress wasn't how do i move all these models it was how to make the right decisions and stuff like that so i really loved that and i think the use of the battle shock mechanic and stuff like that is really important i also however really love loads of weird lists where it's like i'm gonna take 10 units of three screamers for example, like that's not breaking <laughs> anything. That's not boring. Um, so I think internal balance is a large part of it. And if you, I think if you were to look at it um, financially and on an interest level, the answer to both is the same. If the latest army to come out is like 5% stronger, but that 5% can be changed by people countering shooting better or counting alphas better or um, placing higher significance on having um, pre-game moves or whatever. And, and that puts things on an equal playing field. Then you end up with a lovely perfect world scenario which is probably completely unachievable where everyone has access to fairly balanced lists they're not like i'm going to stay with this bent thing for four years because it's bent and it's going to remain bent and amazing it's just there's a new thing so i want it yes no but it's slightly better but i can just swap out 300 points to my army and i'm now i'm perfect to counter it and 
people can own multiple armies and their decision is which one do I want to play um, for normal reasons, not like which one is 20% ahead of the curve for ridiculous reasons. So, um, yeah, like uh, it, encouraging a wider variety of interesting lists that are slightly less gimmick heavy or repetition heavy that are just that's all the majority of stuff in the game for me and i love leader i've already mentioned it but i love leadership as a mechanic so is as well. the one thing you would protect perhaps you protect the, the concept of battleshock and it's and its application yeah, yeah yeah definitely um and then the one thing that i would try and encourage more is just like leadership's really good <laughs> like they all roll into the same thing and um that also ties up with having games that end in a timely fashion where by the last turn like there's you've both got like five to ten figures on the board and you're trying to get utmost to achieve what you need with them i love games like that and that is probably one of the most positive things about age of sigma for me is when you're you're left with crucial decisions and you've somehow got to make these limited resources work and then battleshock bravery bomb lists would work and that would be super cool yeah it would like people uh, yeah absolutely um i don't think like something came out as a means of battle shock and then moon clan grots god knows why it was a good idea for them to have it um, <laughs> like, but yeah kidding? moon clan grots have got it and then plague monks have got it yep all the things that are meant to thematically run away and also have like are very cheap in points cost they're very cheap so, so, the, so their weakness anyway. is but then we kind of saw that with nurgle as well because nurgle's weakness was them being kind of slow and purposeful and their then, speed the, and then the fastest army in the, the game <laughs> It's a tipsy topsy crazy world out there. Well, Byron, yeah. we shall we shall tune in next time for some talking about painting, and then uh, another time after that to talk about um, lists that don't kill anything. And uh, yeah, look forward to chat to you at uh, another time. Amazing! Thank you for having me on, and uh, it's been a pleasure. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Priority Roll. If you want to get in touch with us, we're at Priority Roll on both Twitter and Instagram. You can send us an email, priorityrollpodcast at gmail.com, or you can go to anchor.fm forward slash priority roll and leave us a voice message. If you want to leave us some feedback, we're always looking to improve, or if you just want to suggest a topic to talk about on one of our upcoming shows, then feel free to get in contact with us. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, thanks for listening to Priority Roll.